Welcome to In Capernaum, a slice of life podcast where real Christian friends come together to navigate the world on their journey to God. We hope that while you're here, you experience authentic friendship, edifying conversation, and a deep love for God. With your hosts, David and Stuart. This is episode two. We're glad you're here. Well, hello. So, hey. this is uh, a little different. You just you just jumped right in, huh? Yeah. So it's been a little different since you uh, you were on our first couple <laughs> since, practice episodes since the trial runs. <laughs> yeah, we had a few more episodes, and we learn every yeah. every episode. Okay. So you know how we would, you know, talk for like twenty minutes. We'd all come in and we would talk for a while. Yeah. 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 And then we'd be like, okay, ready. One, right. two, three, <laughs> record. Right, right. And, and then, then you get like, I am the host. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Any semblance of real or natural conversation just goes right. totally out the window. Yeah. And uh, and so we were talking with Nate Fix. He was on our last episode or one of our oh, last cool. ones. Uh, he's a friend of mine from, from North Dakota. And we realized we just – need to hit the record button you know and that way we can just naturally kind of have just that welcome conversation and then if we need to cut stuff out great we'll cut it out but at least it's just if the recording's always on there's never that awkward gap so it's you just start the conversation yeah no i like that i think that's smart and catches all the the raw stuff do you do you get to keep any of the clips that you cut off or or yeah yeah so okay. I, we we'll have a we'll have to put a bloopers reel together someday. Yeah, for like our fiftieth episode behind we'll the a scenes. Bloopers reel. The the uh, the we could we could have the first like three episodes like the test run. Yeah, the test run <laughs> tracks. Oh my gosh, that'd be the best. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so the the new format we're doing. Yeah. The show is all about. It's supposed to be a slice of life podcast. Oh, okay. Where real Christian friends just yeah. come together to navigate the world on their journey to God. Love it. So the format that we're trying to do to help it be natural, you know, and laid back and actually yeah. real friends just talking and mm-hmm. and growing in love of Christ and uh, love for each other. Yeah. Uh, while still keeping it substantive. <laughs> and interesting <laughs> uh and and edifying is uh we're gonna throw the record on like we yeah. did tonight just right away as soon as you get yeah. in yeah yeah. and then yeah. we'll have um just one somebody will have something that they're bringing to the table that night so if okay. you've been thinking about gosh you know i've uh i went through the mall today and have you seen like the Victoria's Secret displays there. That's crazy. Should should we boycott Victoria? Not that I shop at Victoria's <laughs> Secret, but you know, hey man, like they just have they just have products. I don't know. Just, uh, yeah. no, no, but like <laughs> you know, those kinds of questions are like, uh, man, I've been struggling praying. Yeah. How yeah. do you guys pray during the day? Now that or now that I'm married, I'm having more trouble praying. I'm so busy. Oh. How do you guys pray? You know, as a married person or whatever. Right. Just right. whatever you'd normally bring to your friendship sure. uh, yeah, and yeah. to your friends for advice and, and counsel. And then we just have a real conversation about it. So sure. we're not experts on anything and it's not no. a teaching podcast where we're, no. you know, like a amazing one, like word on fire, Bishop Barron. It's just like, wow. It's like Christ on the sermon on the Mount, just teaching <laughs> about the kingdom yeah. of God and refuting right. these errors. Ours yeah. is more, we're at Christ's house in Capernaum. Mm-hmm. Just at night, just around the fire, just hanging out and <laughs> navigating life together. Yeah, I, I can get behind that. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. See, you sound better already. You exactly. Sound, you sound so in your zone. <laughs> it's like when you hit the start button. Never. Bah, Never. You know? <laughs> yeah. This is the start zone. It's like the <laughs> twilight start zone. <laughs> yeah, and you have nothing to lose too, right? It's just like, oh, yeah. worst case scenario. We just scrap the whole thing if this is going to be a total waste of our listeners' time. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, with all ten listeners that are out there, 
Exactly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> just, now, is, is one of them uh, Justin's uh, new girlfriend, or have we not gotten that yet? <laughs> is that later in the season? or Maybe later in the okay, season. Oh, poor the, Justin. Okay. We pick oh, on him when God. he's not even here. Yeah. <laughs> love you, buddy. Love you. <laughs> just trying to find someone else to love you, too. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. So, this is great. Let's do this. I'm I'm very excited about this. Yeah, well, I mean, I've got something to bring to the table, but I uh Yes. I'm good. curious if you do you have anything? I'm not totally like oh. committed to what I have on my mind. <laughs> well, and and for for who's listening, um Stuart and I have known each other for quite a while, so um Stuart, he knows that I am a man that has a mind that doesn't ever truly come to a full stop. So I, I have a lot of thoughts on a lot of things um, just in my back pocket, just in case you want to talk about them. But um, no, nothing that – I mean, there's a couple of things that I'm still, like, I'm pondering, but it's just – it's like an ongoing thing. So it's nothing nothing like that sharply comes to me when it's like – I feel like I have to say that because I – feel like I'm lying when I'm saying like, nope, nothing, no big deal. Like, yes, I do, <laughs> sure. but nothing that really kind of stands out. So All no, right. I, I'm, I'm totally game. What's up? Well, did you watch the Super Bowl on Sunday? I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Dude, who are you rooting for? <laughs> so um, it's funny because I didn't really have either team necessarily. Um, I kind of like the Patriots, but my cousin loves them. And do you remember Eric? at all no from from my wedding oh okay yes yes I yeah do. he gave a speech and stuff yes i love the patriots and i love razzing them about it so i was like kind of on the surface rooting for the eagles because i like <laughs> just to, to give them, them a hard time just to give them a hard time and they won my and and the patriots won last year so i don't need it so it's fine but um but then in 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 the inside in my true self i was kind of rooting for the for the patriots did you uh do you have a team? Or? What do you, What do you like about the Patriots? I don't know. I just they're they're kind of a they're kind of like the Red Wings, except without the hometown advantage. I mean, they're just good, and and I enjoy. I don't know. I just I I, I like watching them play because I think they're really good, and I I appreciate people who are who are good at what they do. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like if they win, it's just like breaking these records and doing. It's cool to see teams yeah. and people do something really remarkable even if you don't necessarily like the team sure and so, you know I and can... it's and it's fun watching them like unless there's something that i have that's like you know one of them is very like like an unlikable person or so you know like like the okay i, I don't know how charitable that is but you know like something that comes to mind is like the uh crosby from the penguins and no offense if if uh you're listening and, and you like the penguins it's, it, this is my personal opinion but i i'm not a big fan of crosby because he seems very like all about his himself and he's very like he you know i don't know he kind of throws tantrums sometimes or he did when i watched so i so he's really good at what he does but i don't like that he's good because i feel like he's a little happy <laughs> You know, so it's like sure. I can watch them, but I, but sometimes even then I'm like, you know, it's the, it's the one you love to hate, you know, and they're sure. good. So you kind of don't want them to leave, but you don't necessarily, you wouldn't root for them. Sure. Per se, sure. But yeah. So who are you rooting for? I was rooting for the Eagles. Were you? Yeah. I did not, um, follow much football at all this year well that makes two of us i guess <laughs> so i had to kind of make the decision the week leading right. up to the game <laughs> right. uh i used to follow some football especially okay. when i lived okay. in seattle i i was a C- big seahawks fan okay yeah um but then i just got busy with life and <laughs> kind of stopped stopped watching games and then kids yeah. came and i really stopped and this year i was kind of like because of all the anthem protests and mm. things which is a whole nother topic I just felt that that wasn't the best way to go about what mm-hmm. they were trying to address, yeah. and uh, I didn't appreciate the way the NFL handled it. So I was right. took a took an extra step back from the NFL. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I was I was actually by the time the Super Bowl rolled around, I was really excited to cheer for the Eagles for yeah. a few reasons. Um, one, Carson Wentz, who was their starting quarterback, mm-hmm. he actually 
was a student at the Newman Center at North Dakota State University, and he was involved uh, in the the Catholic ministry on campus there. Oh, uh, he's a cool. devout devout Catholic, wow. and he was awesome. really involved there. And so I wore my like Bison Catholic, <laughs> go Bison, yeah. go Bison, uh, my Bison Catholic shirt to the game, uh, representing there. But then the backup quarterback too. Mm-hmm. He uh, is taking seminary classes right now because really? he wants to be a youth pastor after he's done with football. Oh, awesome. Those things really sold me. I'm like, this is a stand-up team. Like they're really uh, – mm-hmm. I don't know. They're a really faith-based team. Even the coach, I don't know if you watched at the end. Oh, yeah. Well, that was the part that impressed me the most was the end. Yeah. Go I ahead. Was like, I was glad they won because of that. Yeah. Like he just straight up was – I want to just thank our Savior, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I was <laughs> I know, so I was excited. Like, I, I heard that. I was like, I thought the game had started all over again because I was getting pumped out. I was like, I know, right? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that was, that was, I think, honestly, that was the best part of the game for me. Yeah, was seriously. And then after that, Tony, there the announcers were talking after the ceremony uh, before This Is Us came on. Which is a yeah. wonderful show if you haven't seen is it? it. I haven't seen it. It's so good. I recommend it to everyone. Side note, amazing show. It's an amazing example of fatherhood. Really? This the the star, one of the stars is the dads, and he's like a real good dad and man of mm. God and just great man. I think he's almost canonizable. Yeah, I think oh, he's oof. awesome. That's, that's probably a, a, that's a little bit of a stretch, but but I think yeah. he's awesome. <laughs> Well, you know, Jack Pearson. Well, now I gotta watch this show because I I usually try to avoid at least for a time like big hype shows, right? Like big shows like This Is Us or like that was my yeah. thing about Stranger Things. It's like oh, Stranger Things is so cool. I'm like okay, well we'll see. And then people kept talking about it. So I was like all right, I'll yeah. Watch. watch the first episode with Hannah okay. and let me know oh, what you boy. think. Okay, <laughs> but but before we get too far down that rabbit yes, hole, yes, yes, yes. So they're, the announcers are there, and they've got their little podiums or whatever. And Tony Dungy, who was the coach for the Indianapolis uh, Colts a while back, he's also a great man of God. Yeah. And they're just doing their normal show debrief, you know, who said what and what happened in the game. And and Tony Dungy just brings up how he's like, yeah, you know, I was talking to Nick Foles, and he was saying that the Lord had him here for a time, and but this is Carson Wentz's team and blah, blah, blah. And he yeah. just kept going. but. He just mentioned so casually, but so authentically. Yeah, the Lord. I, it was really cool. It was like, yeah, God is real, and He's just reporting on, you know, Nick Foles' experience and contact with the Lord. There, it was yeah. really cool. It it was. I mean, that was so impressive because it was like you were saying. It wasn't just that they had the, you know the audacity, I guess, if you can say that. Um, uh, but the fact that it was so normal, it wasn't like, like, you know, I feel like when a lot of times someone does something that kind of ruffles feathers or like, you know, is, is kind of, uh, I mean, cause you know, to, to claim your faith nowadays is, is, is a statement. And, you know, as much as we'd rather it be more of a normality, it's a statement yeah. now, you know, it's, and it's like that whole religious freedom concept. It's like a soft tyranny in a way where it's like, you know, you can talk about any religion except Christianity with, yeah. with total respect, you know? Um, but it wasn't like a statement because, and like you were saying before, the national anthem protests were big statements and they knew it and they knew that they were, that they were going at it um, with something to prove. Whereas these guys, mentioned it like any other part of the game, you know, any other part of their plays. I mean, the coach did, they, they didn't look for reactions. They didn't like kind of have that, like, I know what I'm doing. You know, it wasn't even like something you're doing. It's just it's, like you were just saying, it's like, it was just like a, a, a passing fact that this is, this is just the way it is. So I, I really appreciated that a lot. Yeah. You know, and that, what you're saying reminds me of something Pope Benedict talked about a lot which was that we this um reductive secularism that reduces the role of religion to something you know that's you could 
a personal preference, but shouldn't have a voice in the public square. It, it says that the presupposition that society makes is basically that religion doesn't have a voice in the public square because it's not reasonable. It's all faith. Yeah. And they define oh. faith as basically a personal opinion. Yeah. But Pope Benedict like facts, over and over really. and again said that religion should have a voice in the public square. Mm-hmm. That faith and reason should be have a voice there. Yeah. And it was cool to see these prominent figures, people that are really looked up to, bringing that to the public square, even if it's just in a small way, but just acknowledging God and speaking about God as if he's real, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and I like the fact that I think for a long time, people, especially Christians and Catholics, have had this kind of almost shamed mentality about talking about God or feeling like if I talk about God, I'm going to experience something negatively about it. Like, you know, like scared to say anything, you know, and, and I think primarily out of respect for other people, because we, we do genuinely care about other people's feelings, you know, and that's not the primary thing, but I mean, there is a consideration for how people are feeling about something and, and not being overly, forceful about something again like faith you know especially our faith is is very much a choice it's not it's not something that you're forced into it's it's something that we believe that you really have to come to that decision yourself but i think that it led to this timidness that wasn't helpful as part of the kind of the discourse but the the encouraging thing that we're starting to see now is that people are really finding their voice again yeah, in the public square, you know, if they if other people can say stuff that they believe, we should be able to say it too. Absolutely, and it shouldn't be this big hoopla. It's just, I mean, you know, I mean, if, if there's things that are the truth, we shouldn't be worried about questioning all that stuff or talking about it. Like, just even the fact that we that there's so much, there's so many feelings and so much frustration and anger just in talking about different opinions i yeah. think i think really um takes away from what we could be having in this in discourse and stuff and i think that little things like uh, this wasn't exactly a little thing but you know it, in some ways it is where it's just like the little steps it's not this huge movement it's not a hashtag it's not anything it's just little mentions you know things that go along with your every everyday thing um, not that those other things are bad, but it's just like, you know, it doesn't always have to be a big statement. Sometimes it can be a lot of smaller statements that lead to a bigger, you know, movement. So yeah. I, I thought that was not, and here's the thing. It wasn't like it was degrading anybody. It didn't take away from anyone else's thing. It just put something positively into the world. Yeah. And what you're saying just reminded me of, uh, of, a verse from Second Timothy chapter one: God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. Do not be ashamed then of testifying to our Lord. Amen. You know, yeah, and I think awesome. sometimes, like you said, we're afraid to talk about it, as if what we believe isn't reasonable. As if yeah. we. Oh my gosh. I think oh. so. <laughs> sometimes it's probably because we don't know the reasons. We haven't reflected on that yet. But I notice a lot of, and I've been guilty of this myself, but I notice a lot of people who will be afraid to just mention that they believe in God or ask someone, you know, if they believe in God or just enter into that conversation because they feel like it's a lose lose or that they're just going to look stupid. Or that the other person wouldn't be interested in it. But the fact is, is Jesus, it could said in the gospel uh, recently, um, everyone is looking for you, Jesus. Right. If we go into conversations with that confidence that the person I'm talking to, no matter how far away he or she seems from God right now, is searching for Jesus, is longing for Jesus, and they're not finding that happiness in all these other things that they're searching for, they want Jesus deep down more than anything, and I believe in him, and he is true. So no matter how hard you examine the evidence, 
if you examine it long enough and hard enough and well enough, it ends back at Jesus. And I think we're lacking that confidence that if I really look into the evidence, it's going to end at Jesus. So I'm, I'd encourage our listener, if, if you have trouble with those conversations or if you're afraid of that, do your research. Look into it. Oh, please. Yes. Tell yourself, is this true? Do, do, is, is the bottom going to fall out if I dig deeper? And uh, I'll tell you for a fact, it's not. You're just going to be more confident in him whom you've believed. And you'll be able to say with St. Paul, I know him whom I have believed. And you'll be able to go into those conversations with, with more confidence because you'll know that no matter how deep they dig, they're just going to get closer to Jesus if they're, if they're truly searching. Most definitely. And, and very much, I, I can't agree more with what you're saying. And this is actually, it's funny you bring this up because this is something that is very much on my mind recently. Oh, really? Oh, yes. It, there it's you something go. That bring they're, something they're, to the table. Thank you, Okay, there, there you go. Yeah, thank you. Well, it's just funny because I'm like, okay, this is something that's, you know, it's like when you asked me in the beginning, like, oh, you have anything you want to bring to the table? I was like, this is one of those things, but this is there's a lot to it. Um, <laughs> so maybe I'll just pass on that for now. Um, it's something that has fascinated me quite a bit and has been on my mind and heart a lot lately. Um, for the person who's listening to this right now, I not only second what Stuart says, but I it would encourage you, if you're someone who does not believe in God or does not believe in, in Jesus or or any of the things that we're talking about, you know, I, I would just add to the, you know, keep looking, keep searching. And with that intellectual honesty to be able to, you know, I, I think that a great quote, I think it was Father Larry Richards who said, you know, when in answering something about subjective truth or, or um, relative truth, he was saying the truth is either always true for everybody or it's never true for anybody. You know, and there's that objectivity of truth and objectivity just meaning that it's true no matter how it affects you. Like, you know, if, if I, like I'm sitting at a table and I don't believe the table exists, that might be my subjective thought about whether the table exists. But the reality is that the table is here whether I believe in it or not. And it's here not just for me, but also for other people. You know, and I think that there's an ability to question a truth and especially like our faith that we claim is the truth. One of the greatest things about the, our faith is that we not only allow for questioning, but we encourage it because if it's not true, then we shouldn't be following it. And something that, that fascinates me is that you hear all these stories about people who the reason they came to the faith, the Catholic faith, especially is because Something about what they believed didn't make a lot of sense and someone challenged them on it and then they got frustrated and trying to find the truth about what that was. I think sometimes it can be embarrassing to when you find something you really believed in was inaccurate, you know, even if there's a, a tugging notion in your heart that's like, I don't really know the answer to that question that bothers me, but I'm just going to keep believing this. Um, and we've all been there, you know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, unless there are things, trust me, I'm sure Hannah can give you a, a very detailed account about all the things that I thought were true and they're not. Um, but, um, but there is that integrity and the, and the, the truth is, I think part of the reason we, we aren't confident in spreading the faith is, is very much, we don't have the knowledge, but that's not an excuse to not be bold and things that should really strike us as as very encouraging things. For instance, I was at the beatification of Father Solanus Casey, who is a very big figure in our house. Uh, and what I found out when Father Solanus was beatified is that part of what leads to that beatification is that they have to have a miracle attributed to their intercession that science and medicine can't explain. Hmm. That's the church right there saying it's it's true or it's not true, but we care about the truth. And it's not just Catholic people verifying this. This is 
through third party, very indifferent, indifferent meaning there's no, they don't have, they're not like Republicans or Democrats or like they have no bias or anything. Yeah. They're very unbiased medical and scientific third parties that do the verification of these things and, yeah. and just cannot explain it. These things are always super well documented. Yeah. Otherwise it doesn't work. What was his miracle? Do you know? Yes, I do. So there was a a lady who was teaching somewhere in South America, but apparently they can teach religion in in public schools. And so she was a religious teacher for a public school in South America, but she had this skin disease, and I can't remember what it was, uh, but it was I, I believe it was painful, but it was definitely something that was not pleasant to have. Uh, but there was no cure, not even a treatment. So she just had to suffer with this. For years, but she accepted that suffering, um, but then made her way up. Her friend of hers invited her up. I think I believe it was a priest. Again, if you can verify this <laughs> online, <laughs> if if you're listening, and and I'm sounding a little uh, all over the place here, but just tell it as you remember it. You're among friends. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My, yeah, <laughs> someone can correct us later, and we'll sure. sit, we'll post a a link of an article yes. about the miracle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and it, the best part is that it's very well documented. Um, so it's, it won't be hard to find, especially cause it's so recent. So there'll be a lot of documentation and, and easy things to find, uh, that relate to it. But the, the point is, is that she found herself at St. Bonaventure, which is Father Solanus's church when he was alive. And that's also where his body is and at the tomb of Father Solanus in Detroit. Um, so she found herself at the tomb and there's a lot of people who go and leave their intentions so she brought all of her intentions with her um, because there's there's been a lot of healings and, and things that people have come and said, oh, you know, I asked Father Solanus to pray for this thing and, and it, you know, that thing happened or something. A little bit lesser, but this was, this was extraordinary because she left her intentions and then as she was getting up, she could hear in her head, you know, but what about you? And mm. she didn't even think to pray for herself. Um, so she kind of had this intention that, like, you know, I, I, obviously my skin thing is, is tough. But um, but I guess what happened was the next day, because this, this skin condition was all over her body. I mean, it was on her face. It was just everywhere. The next day she woke up and flakes of skin were just falling off of her body. Wow. You know, and, you know, pink new skin where all the scabs and all the different disorders had been completely 100% healed with zero medical explanation. Wow. Zero. That's amazing. And the reason I can say that is because it's been well documented that she went to several very reputable dermatologists that checked her out medically and could not explain it. Could not explain because it's something that is not treatable. Yeah. Or not, and, and definitely not curable. And it's something, and they they're like, I don't know how this can be possible because that should not be the case. Yeah, relying on science and reason and all this stuff. I mean, I don't know how you get beyond that. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Why are we not more confident? Yeah, in the things we believe because there is so much out there that proves it scientifically. Usually the, the I mean the the weapons that are used to um kind of downgrade and downplay our faith um are the very weapons we should be using to prop ourselves up and say no that's not true at all we actually have a lot behind us that's so right that reminds me exactly of uh of a a verse in I believe the book of kings you know it what you're getting at is our faith is real. God is yes. real. Yes. It's not an idea. No. It's not an ideology. Not a theory. It's not a ph- theory or philosophy. It's real. And I mean, for most poignantly, we experience that through the incarnation. Jesus, God became man. He did miracles. He lived among us. He did the works of his father. He healed. He taught. Um, but uh, there's there's a great example of that in in the book of kings where uh if you haven't read this you absolutely should it's the book second kings chapter six 
And basically, Syria is attacking Israel. Okay. They're surrounding the city, uh, one of the cities of Israel. And uh, um, Elijah, the prophet, is there. And he has a uh, his, an apprentice of his, a man of God with him, it says. And he sees the army of the Syrians surrounding the city, and he like, gives up hope. He goes, alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha says, fear not, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray that you open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and he looks around and it says, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then Elisha prays and these, this invisible force is what overcomes this visible army that's attacking right. the city and they're delivered. I think that's very similar to what we go through. We we can't see the reality that's around us, but it's it's no less real just because we can't see it. Mhm. Absolutely. Well, this is this is awesome. Uh I hope Yeah. I, I'm edified this by this. I hope I hope our Me listeners too. do it. But I want to ask you yes. before we run out of time. Sure. About sure. the Super Bowl. Oh boy! Yes, <laughs> back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, so here, here's the the question I've grappled with for years, actually, and I've kind of found myself on both sides of the question. I've got a few questions about it, but it, it okay. It's arguably one of the biggest secular holidays, if not the big, biggest secular <laughs> holiday in the United States. It's you know, it gets a lot of attention for sure. Yeah. So. On the Super Bowl, a lot of mass times are changed. They'll cancel an evening mass or change the mass times so that it fits around the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? You know, I, I think there's a there's a beauty of the church that takes into account um, daily living, you mm-hmm. know, of people. Yeah. You know, I think that it's it, – there's a beauty about it because – for one thing, I I think evening masses like for for what I've seen, they're not like the the necessity mass. Yeah. You know, like most of the masses are in the morning and well outside the Super Bowl time. So I think that that's one thing. I think there's a Saturday mass. I think that the church takes into account just the pragmatism of what who they're serving. So if there's a lot of people who enjoy a certain thing and they know that not a lot of people are going to show up and that they would allow for – it's kind of like when you are you have a priest friend or something and be like, hey, you know what? What time would work for you? I can do mass any time of the day. Um, but if it works best for you to be able to participate in that prayer, that ultimate prayer, more fully if it was around something else you're doing – then maybe we should do that instead. You know, it's, again, it's like a family who's trying to figure out when they're going to do a special thing, but the time's not necessarily important. Um, It's more about what you're doing rather than when you do it. So I I could see, I don't think there's a, to me, I don't think there's a problem. I I think I know what you're getting at with it, kind of, um, you know, like a a secular um, uh, entity or a secular kind of holiday, if you will, um, affecting an actual religious uh, thing, or is is that kind of what you're getting at? Like, how how do you feel about that whole thing? Yeah, well, so I actually totally agree with you, but I didn't used to. I would have very okay not okay. long ago. <laughs> I would have very strongly disagreed because I think I saw it as the church implicitly saying, "Eh, mass is not as important as this." You know, because in my mind it was, hey, this is the objective truth. Math, mass is the most important thing you could ever do with your whole mm-hmm. life. Yes. Therefore, it should be the rock. It should be immovable. Right. We should we should make the culture adapt to it, not vice versa. Right. And I think that it came from almost a 
a I I I would love to hear other people's opinions on this, especially the mm-hmm. the opinions about it being not that we shouldn't change mass times because I, I used to believe that, but I think that you know we talk about how grace doesn't destroy nature it perfects nature right and about enculturation how we bring a gospel the gospel into the culture and without tainting the gospel mm-hmm. it's able to be brought into this culture and perfect that culture not destroy nature but perfect it by grace sure and there's nothing sinful about the super bowl no there's plenty of discussion that could be had about the uh morality or moral implications of paying athletes <laughs> as sure, much well, as we sure. do. Yeah. That's a whole nother topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it it's a it's a part of our culture. It is a big mm. part of our culture. And what it's not what we're not doing when we change the mass time is we're not saying mass is more important. And if right. push came to shove and you the Super Bowl was such that you had to choose mass or Super Bowl Mm-hmm. I guarantee that the priests who are changing the mass times for that would say, sorry, the mass is more important. I'm not right. sacrificing it- the mass for the Super Bowl. But it doesn't come down to that. And so I think it was a, a little bit of rigidity in my heart of just mm-hmm. grappling with what our response, what holiness looks like and what our response in the culture should look like. Because for me, I think I I originally – you know, when I first came into the church, was more on the side of that uh, grace destroyed nature. You know, you should almost yeah. become an angel and only think about spiritual things and only talk about spiritual things. But God doesn't want that. God wants us to bring Him all of these good things, bring Him on our life. He needs to be one, number one. We need to love Him more than mother or father or sister, or brother or husband and wife. We need to put him first in all things but he gave us bodies and cultures and a life to offer offer to him you know so right. that that's kind of what i i've been learning and so it's it's, it's cool to hear you say that because uh that's kind of the conclusion i've been coming to as well absolutely and look at what you know a beautiful witness those that coach and those players were able to give to people who would never step foot in a church. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Who, I mean, what a witness. Yeah, because we were involved in the culture there. Exactly. And really like meeting, you know, Jesus went around and met people where they're at. And in a, in a true sense, not in a way that that compromises our belief or our practice of that belief. But it's more of a, you know, an openness to inviting others to be with us in that as well. Yeah. And I think too, like I think that if it was a choice between Super Bowl and and church, I think anyone who even remotely cares about their faith in the Catholic Church, you know, you know, even on a basic level, knows that church is the most important thing. And if it's Super Bowl or church, sorry, you know, Super Bowl is not getting me to heaven. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's not helping me to connect with God. And that's what's gonna last. But, you know, I think that um one thing that a point that was made that's that's a really good point is that everything we've ever done has always been through our bodies, hmm. right? Um, even going to mass and praying is still a bodily function. Yeah, and we have so many bodily gestures and postures at mass that are so important, and even to be able to um, to. Uh, you know, express that to our, our, you know, the people we love in our bodies, you know, like that there, there's definitely a a part that the body plays. Um, and I think too, it's like, you know, we're not in a cloister, like we're not, uh, we're, we're not in this bubble where it's, it's us and them and we're going to do our religious thing and you go do your pagan thing. That's not, that's not how that goes, you know? Yeah. if we really believe what we believe, we believe everyone is on the same level as us. Yeah. In the sense that even if you don't believe it, you are still very precious to God. You know, that you have an inherent dignity. That that the things that we find interest in, for the most part, and if it's natural, usually tend towards an interest that relates back to God somehow. Yeah. Um, just, just in how we're made. 
Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, I think sports can really be a beautiful way to find community and camaraderie and, and, you know, and, and, uh, I think that it's like a phone. It's just cause you have a cell phone doesn't mean you're just, um, a completely distracted, very materialistic, um, you know, person who is, who is so obsessed with social media necessarily. I mean, you know, just cause you have an iPhone, iPhones are just tools. The same iPhone I used to make Facebook posts and, and do my ridiculous Instagram things. It's the same phone I listen to Holy Family Radio on or um, read the mass, uh, sometimes read the readings because I don't always have my Magnificat on me or I don't know where in, in the book the readings are. So, I, you know, they have purposes. Too, yeah. So, You know, it's really helped me to, uh, to discover that, I think, and, and come out of some of that rigidity is uh is marriage <laughs> you you can't be an angel in marriage you know no. it's just too real no no there's no way to to float around like an angel and pretend you're a saint it's just so real <laughs> and messy and yeah. that's been the biggest school of love for oh. me of how to wow what holiness really consists in it's it looks different absolutely yeah. prayer is essential you can't get to heaven without praying regularly absolutely you know uh, thinking about spiritual things and talking about them is so important. And just like we're witnessing here in this friendship, I mean, this has been a totally normal conversation. Oh, yeah. We talk about this stuff, but we need to offer our daily life up to God and offer him that time that we watch the Super Bowl and give thanks for the the joy of football. And obviously never put it yeah. before God, but not be rigid at the same time and go beyond what is written. And to that point, I mean, you can give glory to God in all things, yeah. including your physical abilities. And, um, you know, I, I think that it's funny because like a lot of what we believe and what we contemplate comes from a messy place. Yeah. You know, that's the whole reason why God, why there is a gospel and the whole reason that we have, that we, that we have, God who needed to die for us because it was messy and that doesn't just go away, you know, but it's also, there, there's something really beautiful in, in the mess. I don't know. I, I find a lot of beauty in people's brokenness sometimes. And I think that that can really not only humble us, but also help us to see things the way God sees them because he, when he looks down at us, he sees a lot of broken people. Yeah. Uh, not, not a bunch of, bunch of angels. Those are all hanging out with him. And some of them are, <laughs> You know, Amen. some people, some angels didn't didn't quite make it, but we're trying to be more like the, the former. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. All right, brother. Well, uh, we're coming up on our our time limit here. Uh, okay. What do you want to do? The parting glass for us? Yeah, I would. All right. So, just a reminder: the parting glass is a uh, a book you would recommend. Sure. And then just drop a word of wisdom on us to uh, to ponder as we sign off. And then we'll drink. Well, we'll toast to the Lord. Toast to the Lord. Absolutely. This book created. Um, it was a, an enormous collaborative effort by uh, Corey Hyman and 62 uh, artists. And I think mo most, if not all of them, are Catholic artists. Wow. Um, very, very beautiful. It came from... He, he talks about how the inspiration came from the first five words of the, of the Bible, which are, in the beginning, God created. And it really just sunk into him. And it's like, wow, in the beginning, God created. Especially for artists, that means a lot because it's like, that's what God did. And then we participate every time we create in the continuation of what he started. Um, and it's really beautiful to think about that. And then he basically asked these artists, what are your five words? If you could give them to people, what are yours? And wow. it, he just crafted this gorgeous book that is very inspirational, no matter who you are. Awesome. Um, so I'd highly recommend it. Um, I'll send you some links to it. I think it's createdbook.co um, and then likableart.com. Um, I believe is is his website. We'll, we'll throw it up on our Facebook page so everybody can find it after the show. And then a word of wisdom. Hmm. 
You know, I was listening to Father, I think, Wade Meniz, I believe. Yesterday, he was talking about the seven deadly sins and the seven cardinal virtues. And he's talking about how I think a lot of times we look at them as two ends of a spectrum, when in fact, um, the seven deadly sins have a a counterpoint at the other end of the spectrum, which is equally as, as dangerous. So, for instance, um, pride, uh, the opposite of that, or the, the other end of the spectrum, is self-loathing. It's not uh, humility. It's it's actually self-loathing. And he's talking about, the if you can imagine them in three columns, that the the two extremes of the, the sin are on either column, the right and the left, and that the virtue really relies in the middle. It's not on the ends. But it's really beautiful, his description. And just to realize, so who's listening to us right now, really as you look at your life and as you go along, something that I've been really reflecting on is what is that middle look like? Because I think extremes are can be easy to just fall into. And the extremes being either being too lax or being too rigid about something. And then what he's saying is the virtues are in the middle of that. So where is that? Think about that in your life. Are there areas that you get too extreme or too like too lax or way too rigid on a certain topic? And where is it that you need to find that middle ground that, that makes sense where it's a little bit of both? Um, and so my advice would just be to seek that. Seek moderation in all things. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. To the Lord. The source oh, of wisdom and friendship. Amen. All right. Well, I had a great time with you guys tonight. Please find us on Facebook and continue the conversation. We really want to hear what you have to say. We would love to talk more about it with you next episode. Go on there. You can leave comments about the show. There's places to say what you want to talk about and what you want to hear about. And uh, there's other ways to get connected. So find us on Facebook. We'll have a Twitter up as well. And we look forward to seeing you next episode. So we're actually, Andrew, (laughs) one other thing we decided to do. One of the podcasts David likes called Making It. It's like a woodworker's podcast. They play their outro and the recording keeps going. They just kind of like, oh, okay. And they just debrief. And um, yeah, so we can keep it or not, you know, (laughs) if it's worth (laughs) keeping, but it's kind of cool to to have a, it's like a backstage pass kind (laughs) of. Yeah. Hey, what's up guys? You made it to the backstage, but welcome. (laughs) (laughs) This is where it gets all real. That stuff was just a show. (laughs) Now you get to see what kind of heathens we really are. (laughs) No, dude, oh, I had man. a good time, man. This was fun. Yeah, me too. I'm really glad it worked out this way. Yeah, me too. I and you know what? I gotta say, I love that you feel far more relaxed with this. I it can't sounds you like tell? You're, you're good. I can big time. Yeah. I, and you sound just like yourself. You know, That's you're good. you're very natural. I love it. So, uh, well played, man. Great, great topics of conversation for sure. Yeah, it was cool to see where the Holy Spirit took that. So I'm like, oh, maybe we'll just yeah. talk about the Super Bowl the whole time. And then yeah. next thing you know, we're like talking about miracles and Solanus Casey Ooh. and all kinds all of stuff. cool stuff. So, You know, there was one thing about the Super Bowl. Um, I saw this commercial. I think it was like T-Mobile. And it had all these babies. And it was like, you will demand a fair wage. You will, de- you will not see race and all this stuff. And there was a part of me. Especially because their colors were a little too close to Planned Parenthood colors, which is I, I'm sure it's not meant to be that way. Mm. But it just it it just kind of like uh, it, it bothered me because I'm like all I could think of at the end of that commercial was just adding the tagline "unless you're aborted." Mm. Oh, you know, yeah, like having wow. all these children going by. It's like you will demand a fair wage. You will do all this stuff and all these very like trendy things yeah and then just thinking at the very end you know how you kind of like there's some things where you say something at the end that changes the whole thing yeah so it's like oh you will do all this stuff unless you're aborted yeah there's a lot of hypocrisy huh in our culture you know it's like we love babies but not when they're in the womb even if they can feel pain and are basically developed and you know it's like yeah like they just shot down a bill 
that would have yeah. stopped abortion, late-term abortions where babies can feel pain. I mean, how can you face yourself after it's crazy. something like that? Absolutely crazy. Like, you can feel pain, but then you're going to talk to me about, you know, like having some kind of compassion for people. I, I, I just don't understand. It's like, okay, you if you can't defend people who can feel pain, don't ever come to me talking about how cute you find children. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. Because yeah. it's so it's too much to take. It's like one week you're ready to just slaughter that child, but it's horrific if you do it if they're outside the womb. You actually want it. Mm-hmm. It's like commoditize a person more. Why don't you? Seriously. Yeah. I don't know. It just so I saw that and it just it, it and so one of the ones I really liked was the Tide commercial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was funny. That was a good commercial. I thought that was the best. Best little series of the of the Super Bowl. I like those. <laughs> yeah, especially because he looked like he was having a blast doing it. Yeah, the bet my favorite was the tennis one. I'm like convinced it's some arthritis one. You know, he's like, the oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden it jumps in with the tide thing, and I'm like, ah, <laughs> yeah, you got me right. again. Okay. <laughs> uh, I I like the um, which one was it? It was uh, oh, it was the horse guy. The the guy's like, I'm on a horse, and then Tide comes out. <laughs> so good. Oh, the other one that was really good that kind of did that was um, the the Son of Dundee. Oh, yeah. That one got that me. Was... I'm like, oh, I might go see that movie. And I'm like, oh, it's not actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whoops. So I'm embarrassed that I said I would go see oh, that. <laughs> yeah, he was too, apparently. That was great. <laughs> it was great how they set it up. Like... And the funny thing is, um, I guess beforehand, they released a teaser trailer. For it. Oh really? They treat they treat it like a movie. It's like there was a teaser trailer for that movie. Yeah. And then and then they're in the Super Bowl. They're like, no, it's a tourism thing because everyone was kind of like reacting to it and like, oh, I don't know about this movie. It doesn't look that great. Yeah. And then it was it was a tourism thing. I'm like, dang, that's awesome. <laughs> Especially like Hemsworth and and uh, you know Danny McBride and stuff like that and like some of these big name stars. And they're like, oh yeah, no, this is this is not a movie. This is a tourism thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 